1: Why aren't you selling your business to the government? At Flourish Media Co. has a free government contract guide for you to download so you can start doing business where the money resides. And sis, if you're a minority woman, you are doubly qualified for minority status. The federal government buys everything. They don't make anything. They spend trillions of dollars per year, $20 billion per day. And the government is looking for small businesses like yours to purchase from. At Flourish Media Co. is woman-owned, minority-owned, and located in a hub zone. The Flourish Media team is trying to put you on game. 23% of all government contracts are set aside for businesses like ours. Listen, make sure you follow at Flourish Media Co. and get the guide. And for a limited time, you can also get a one-time government contracting advisory call for $250. The government is gonna buy from someone. Why can't that someone be you?
2: This is Girl Stop Playing, a weekly show that empowers Black women to stop playing with their potential so they can live a life that they love. I'm Corielle, your favorite homegirl, and I'm on a mission to help Black women make the money and get the honey. You can have it all as long as you're willing to work. Welcome back to another episode of the Girl Stop Playing podcast. It's your favorite homegirl, Corielle, here to encourage you to stop playing with your potential and start working for what you want in life and in love. You already know I'm bringing you the information and the conversations to help you make the money and get the honey. You can have it all as long as you are willing to work. And on today's episode, I have the pleasure of introducing you to two amazing people who are making it Work. We have Kenyon and Takara Martin in the building. <laughs> <laughs> all of that. I need all of all of that. We'll add that. We'll add, that. We'll add that later. Thanks. So welcome to Girls Stop Plan. Thank this you. This is probably like a full circle moment because we started out in an event yes. together. Um, ended up at another event together, and I didn't even connect the dots that y'all are who who y'all are. And when I realized who y'all were, I'm like, oh. Welcome back into my life. Yay. I have to have y'all back somehow, some way. Um, so to bring y'all up to speed, y'all know I had the Single Wives Club way back when. I hosted Single Wives Weekend, Work uh, Workplace Lay Weekend. I don't know what year y'all came. It was maybe 16, maybe 15, 16, 14, 15, 16, it had somewhere to be up in 16, there.
3: 16, literally the year we got married.
2: Okay, 2016. So this is how far we go back. You all came and spoke on a panel. Yep. You had such a unique perspective I think and I think that you all just offer um, a, a look into a relationship that we don't often get to see so I would love for you all to just start by sharing a little bit of your love story not necessarily you know like well yeah I do want to know how y'all met again all of that yeah. tell us all of the things <laughs> and like where y'all were in life Ooh. when y'all met
3: Ooh, Jesus so you want me to start yeah, and then you, you, start. you take the where we are in life Go ahead, because I think that's how we normally volley um, we met in 2010, 2009, 2010, um, through mutual friends okay. on Facebook, um, never met in person or anything like that and just maintained a respectful distance, but like admiration of who that person was. Um, and Does that, that mean like staying connected on social media or like what does that mean? We somewhat because we really didn't like each other either. So it was like <laughs> I had a big mouth and I had a very um, opinionated personality. He has a very opinionated personality, except his personality and, and his opinions are backed by years of education that and I didn't have. Things. Like, and, and you know, when people come with their knowledge and their expertise in education, um, yeah, they're assholes. And so we didn't really like each other at first. And so maintaining connection was really just more so like, oh... I say he got married. Oh, I got married to somebody else, you know, and he was always putting stuff out and he was always the guy on social media. Um, I legit thought he was like another Derek Jackson because he was always putting out dope, like relationship content. And I'm like, he a player. I already know he a player. And like,
2: by Derek Jackson, let's just clarify, zoom in on me. You mean someone who is preaching things online and living a different life in real life? Is that what you yes. mean? That is, that is yes. Okay, I just wanted to clarify for the people.
3: That is what I, so I assume that that was, his situation. Um, And then after kind of the relationship kind of dissipated between the two of our other, we had other marriages, like, Mm -hmm. you know, and so after that happened, he just, even though we didn't like each other, I still respected him and I had a respect for what he stood for. And so at one point he posted something and I'll never forget. um, It was just, uh, he said, what was Uriah doing? that allowed for God to take him and then his wife to be taken from him. So there was like and he was just like there was something, a conversation that he was having online about just like, I'm not saying Uriah deserved to die. You know, the King David, Bathsheba, that whole context. And I was just like, yo, number one, take that down. This needs to be a book. And for me, in my marketing background, I couldn't see nothing else other than you've got a book in you. You need to be writing this down. Take this down for somebody steal your stuff. And even if we don't like each other, let's work together from a marketing branding perspective because I love what you do. Um, Long story short, we started to get to know each other. When you work with somebody from a marketing perspective, you have to get to know them. Mm -hmm. And then he was just like, oh, I like you. And I was like, I kind of like you, too. And then um, he proposed. Wait wait, we, wait, 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 And then we met in person. How, I'm sorry. Okay. <laughs> I love to that to people. I'm like, yeah, because I was
2: about to back you up, and you're like, no, this is the order of operations. What?
3: Yep. yep. Yeah. No, so... ma'am.
2: Take us back. How? Y'all decided y'all liked each other. Yeah. And then he decided he liked you enough
3: There was obviously there was stuff in between there. I was going through a lot of stuff emotionally. I was going through stuff with my church at the time, with my ex-husband at the time, like all that stuff. And I was pretty much just like done with relationships. And I'll say this last part because he can take over. Um, I was just like, number one, I'm done with relationships, but I'm done with God. I'm done with church. And he was like, you're not done with God. You're not done with church. You just need a covering. Mm. You should let me cover you. And I said okay, and so here we are today. And I said okay, (laughs) literally, (laughs) like and then. But that's where we were. We were at a place where, like, we were done with relationships. We didn't want to get married again. Didn't want anything. And then, that's kind of.
2: So before you pick up, sure.
3: There are
2: ninety five point nine 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 percent of women. I made that up, but watching this, that would be in this position, that has been through the things is somewhat jaded to the point where it's like, I'm done with all of this. How did you allow yourself to say yes, to move forward, to trust that this could be someone that could cover you? Like, what was that? Was it something he did? Had he already proven himself worthy? He already showed you he was, you know, a leader worth, you know, you allowing him to to lead you? Like, what was it? Because I think so many women miss out on an opportunity or miss out on what could be that cover because they can't even get over all the other stuff they've been through.
3: Yeah. Um, Consistency. There was just, he's always been consistent in who he is. Even from the time where we weren't dating, we didn't know each other. Um, For instance, there will be times where Even today, we'll get a Facebook post memory of something that he said long before he ever met me. And he said it again years later, and he just forgets that he said the same thing. Mm -hmm. And so it's one of those things like that's who he is. He was consistent all the way through everything. And that allowed me the ability to let my walls down and to feel safe there Um, because i never had someone that was consistent in who they were. And showing you that and not giving you any reason to doubt it. Correct.
2: I love that. Okay, go on and hop on in.
4: Well, I I guess my part is where we were. And like she said, we were in places where we were sick and tired of being sick and tired of relationships. Both of us were. Mm -hmm. We had both been in marriages. We had both failed. We both failed multiple times, and we didn't know what was going on. And so by the time we met each other, we was— honest brutally honest we were honest about you know our attractions but we were also honest about what we were going through what we had been through and what we not going to do again because when we first decided we were going to date or we begin to have these conversations I was like I'm I'm not leaving Ohio no more <laughs> I'm, I'm I'm just not going to do it so if you want me you're going to have to come and see me but at the same time I think we both saw in each other what no one else saw in us. Um, it It was a thing of, like, discovery. Like, having a real relationship for the first time. Like, I've never been married. Like, even though I've technically been married before and she's technically been married before, we've never had a good husband or a wife. We've never had a husband or a wife. And it was at that moment where we started realizing that it wasn't out of desperation. It wasn't out of um, washing a clock. It wasn't out of I just don't want to be by myself. Mm-hmm. It was just that I like you. And here's what I'm willing to do. Here's what I'm not willing to do. Here's what I will put up with. Here's what I won't put up with. But at the same time, let's open up and see if what we've been building is real. Mm-hmm. You see what I'm saying? And the
2: willingness— to do that because both of you have been through your own things. Both of you, again, were jaded. You had still, no matter how healed or how much on your journey you are towards healing, you still have those things that sneak up that remind you of of someone or something or, you know, that you don't want to repeat. So you are operating with that mindset of I have to protect myself from doing this thing. And a lot of times that protection builds that wall and then that keeps us from blessings. And so I love that y'all were able to see something in one another. Um, But I think there's this, and, not but, I think there's this conversation of not settling, Mm -hmm. which I, a thousand percent, don't believe anybody should settle for anything less than what they feel they're worthy of. However, I do believe we have to allow for some flexibility. So when you said, I had this standard, I'm not leaving Ohio, Mm -hmm. but... I'm willing to put in the work. I'm willing to give you some time. I'm willing to see if this is worth me bending a little bit. I think so many times, and this is, we talking to black women today, okay. just, yeah. just to put that out there. Let's do it. Um, a lot of the high achieving, successful black women that find themselves single, you know, a little bit later in life, I think they hold on to this, well, I'm not going to settle thing, mm-hmm. but settling and being flexible are two totally different things. Correct. So could you speak to that woman who could be missing out on what you were willing to just give it a try? See, you know, see see what was there, be willing to try again for someone who's just taken it off the table.
4: Well, I think that oh I'm sorry. No, you go ahead. Go. <laughs> I think that number one, risk. In order to find love, you have to risk the opportunity to be vulnerable. And if you're not willing to take a risk, if you're bound by all these walls around you because of risk management, then you're never going to find who you really want because you're trying to lessen the blow of what could happen. You're living a life of catastrophe and catastrophizing every relationship, and you shouldn't do that. Um, Does it take time? Absolutely. But opening up now, when I say risk, I'm not saying roll the dice yeah. on just anybody. I'm saying take small steps towards um, who a person is, under trying to understand who they are, but at the same time having a standard of saying that this is or it is not for me, but actually um, uh, watching them, mm-hmm. actually actually uh, observing them. Like I always say, leadership is demonstrable. A man is going to be what a man is going to be. A woman is going to be what she's going to be in every season. So you need to take some time to watch, but you also have to take the risk to watch too.
3: Yeah. And I think too, for so many of us women, and I always speak to the idea that I grew up in church, right? And so we were basically raised from the crib to be a wife. And a lot of times, not even a lot of times, I'll speak for Takara, when I was dating, when I was single, and even when I was married before, I was dating to be a wife, but I wasn't observing their capability of being a husband at the Ooh. same time. And so while there is a, there were boxes that I wanted checked, there were things that I wanted and required of a man. When I was younger, no, I didn't. I didn't have things I required. I just wanted to be a wife. Let me stop lying. Um, while those things were there, I would literally— jump over the observation stuff that he was talking about and just go straight to, oh, he wants to marry me. Let's just get married. Mm -hmm. And I think when we do that, we start every dating relationship looking to be that person's wife. And then immediately we get turned off when something strikes us because we we we're already entering into it at a bad place. With the expectation. With the expectation Mm -hmm. of being somebody's wife. And so for me... And for us and what we started to do, we dated and we literally every step of the way, we gave each other an out. And it was just, hey, he would be upfront and honest. Here's how much money I make. Here's what's this. Here's what I do. I'm upfront and honest. Here's how much money I make. And he was like, you sell drugs? I was like, no. <laughs> um, and so like once we had those conversations, we realized that there's so much more that somebody can provide that's beyond money. Absolutely. And so we, you know, for me personally, as a woman earning six figures and doing all that stuff at the time, it was just like, I'm not going to sit here and deny myself the opportunity to experience a love that I've never had before because he doesn't make as much money as me because he was raised differently than I was or things like that. And at every checkpoint, we literally just said, are we willing to walk away? And as long as we walked into every situation that we were in together before marriage, because now you if you leave, leaving, you're dead. Um, every situation we walked into, it was just like, once we got here, no questions asked. You can walk away if you want to. If not, let's keep going. Let's ride this. Let's train. And I think a lot of that comes from knowing yourselves,
2: knowing your worth. You had already been drugged. Okay. okay so we're not doing that again. Honey, Thankfully, yeah. and this is literally the exact same thing with my husband. We got drugged by other people. So once we got together... We have been doing it like we're not going to do that to each other because we've we've learned the lessons with other people. And I think if you can learn the lesson from other people and not lead with those those lessons that you should have learned, you know, leading into the next relationship, then I think you can grow from that. Because at this point, I'm not dating out of desperation. I'm not not asking questions because I want to keep you around. I'm not not having uncomfortable conversations. I'm not not showing up as my real self. I'm not not telling you the truth because I want to be this perfect person who I think you'll want to keep around. I've I've evolved past that. And I think that you had, you know, you all had also gotten to that place to be mature enough to say, I love you, but you can walk out the door. You know, like, yeah, this, is, this is your out. I love you enough to love you without me. You know, like, I, and I love me enough to not want you here if you don't love me. That is a, a, a level of self-awareness and self-love that most people don't get to.
3: That was a prayer that he prayed, honestly, even before we ever met. Um, there would be times where I would go through you know my anxiety and stuff like that, and he would sit and pray with me, um, and that was one of the prayers that I think that sticks out to me as one of the most memorable ones that he would pray and be like, "God protect her for those who are against her, and if I'm not for her, God protect her from me." Like, that was a consistent prayer, and I was like, "Oh, but Lord, let him be for me because I like <laughs> him." So, like keep him, please. Yeah, but that was that was literally a prayer, and I appreciated that and the self awareness of I know I ain't for everybody. Is really what kind of drew me into.
2: What was your first husband like, in terms of just were th- are they similar? Were there similarities? Was he complete opposite? I'm just going with the theory I have here.
3: My first yeah. husband was white, so let's start there. Let's start. Let's start there. <laughs> <laughs> let's start there.
2: Okay, wait. What? Pause for the college, y'all. These, y'all be learning with me. Y'all be learning like, right along with me. Okay, wait a minute. Oh, yeah, we don't speak about him. Well, let's speak about him. Let me okay. tell you why we got to speak about him okay. because there is this white savior complex honey. that once you go white, baby, it's all right. You know, like the white man is going to treat you like a queen and he's going to worship the ground you walk on, he's going to be sensitive and all of those things might be true. Mm -hmm. I just don't like that when that's being said, it's almost as if that doesn't exist for any black man. Like white men are the only people who can be in a healthy, happy relationship with a black woman. Mm -hmm. So I would love to talk about why this didn't work out with
3: this white man. Um, First of all, he was Satan. Um, And so I think... A, I was young. Okay, that that,
2: that makes a difference.
3: So that's number one. Um, But I think to just, again, full circle experience, for me, I was raised by a white man. Okay, okay. So it was a situation where my mother—oh, God. Okay, so my mother um, and my stepdad met in church, and um, he was a vegetarian, and he made her—like, he asked her, in order to get her to go out with him, he asked her— for her to fry him some chicken and that he be- he was no longer a vegetarian or a vegan after she fried him her chicken. Right. That was their, their introduction. And he took care of her. She had three kids of her own and a nephew that she had adopted um, from my aunt. And so like, she was single mom raising all of us kids. And this man came in took care of us and loved on us. Y'all my mama went to jail. He took care of us while she did her weekends in jail. Like, he was just the best man. Weekends in jail. Yeah, she did weekends. Wow. Yeah. In California, when the offense is not that harsh back then, um, they let you do they weekends. they going to put you on punishment on the weekends. Yeah, on the weekends. Wow. So you can take care of your kids during the okay. week. And so he so, was a real stand-up man. Literally, real stand-up man. Mm-hmm. So then fast forward to me being a grown-up and growing up in a very impoverished neighborhood. We were very poor. Um, I didn't see good black men. I didn't. So if, for me, in my mind, I associated good with white. Growing mm. up, so that was literally my experience into the church and sorry into marriage and seeing that from the church. So then, when I met my ex husband, he was nice, took me out on nice dates, get great things. If Pam and his parents lived in this really big house, great neighborhood, I was like, oh, I could be a part of this family. It's this going to be awesome. It's an upgrade. And yeah, he was abusive, and I never got the opportunity to really become my full black self mm. being with him. And so, yeah, beatings, pregnant, getting beat up. Like, yeah, like everything you could imagine that was completely opposite of the man that raised me. And so that was my first lesson. And number one, you can't use someone's physical appearance and how they look just to identify who that man is going to be in your life. Mm -hmm. Um, Because, listen, y'all could talk about all these black men and, and they if you want to. But there's some white ones out there that ain't shit either. It's just
2: people. There are some people people that are
3: just not good people. And to
2: lump everybody into a, well, if I just go over here, then I'm going to get everything that I want. It's probably not going to happen because that's your intention. Right. Right. And that usually doesn't work out. What were some, because of the current culture and climate and conversation in terms of these abusive relationships, these situations that women are finding themselves in. Can you point to any red flags or any signs or any signals or any things before the abuse that was like signaling you that something was up?
3: Yeah. um, First and foremost, it was the isolation piece. Um, Really wanting me to not hang out with friends or family. That was the number one thing. I was, you know, in California, I got accepted to UNLV, specific program. I was going to go to school, study, whatever. He literally went to my church leaders, who were also—that's a whole other abusive topic as well. Went to my church leaders, and they basically got in cahoots and kept me from going away to college. That sort of thing. Like it was, yeah. So, <laughs> was it a cult? I was about to <laughs> pretty much, like a cult. pretty much.
2: Yeah, I've had conversations with with friends that had to go and like ask the pastor, "Am I allowed? You know, can I go to college?" And some got a yes, and some got a no, and their lives. Literally were determined in that moment yes. by this man's decision. 100. That is deep. 100. Yeah, that's another episode because that's deep. Yeah. That is giving. It's a cult. Wow. What, what were your pa- what What are your parents saying during all of this?
3: they were just as much as invested in the church community as I was. So. But did
2: they see any of these red sign, red flags or were My they? My stepdad
3: did actually. He really did before he died. Like he would be like, listen, y'all don't go through and let this girl marry this man. Fine. He was like, I'll, I'll support it. But there's something not right there. My stepdad caught it. Um, mm-hmm.
4: first and foremost.
2: Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. We have to talk about that again. Yeah, sure. How do you date a woman that's been in an abusive relationship?
4: Carefully. Very carefully. Um, because you're not you don't know what to do or what not to do. Um and and let's be honest, I'm you know flawed myself. I'm a man myself. I raise my voice. I um I get boisterous. You know, men are very physical or can be physical or whatever the case may be. And so now and you make mistakes, you know, you you feel like you got to wrestle the world. So now When you're talking to a woman who has been abused, you have to begin to understand, number one, hold on, number one, you need to be accountable enough to understand that once you choose her, you're responsible for her. That's number one. Hmm. Then number two, you have to understand that, no, it wasn't you. But if scars are still there, it is up to you to be tender around those scars. And so that was my perspective, especially as she was going through what she was going through with the present that church at the time when i when I met her, my whole idea was, okay, we're not gonna kick God to the curb, but we can kick these Negroes to the curb. You know what I mean? because i'm not I'm not here for play, play. I'm here for real. And if I'm going to cover you like uh, like clothing let it be soft on the inside, but keep out everything on the outside, like armor. That's me. And so I wanna be where she can lay her head and be comfortable, but anything outside of me gets the business, if it comes for her. You see what I'm saying? Standing
2: on business by
4: choice, huh, <laughs> Baby. Come on now. I love but, that. And that's important, but you gotta be tender. A lot of people think, or a lot of men think, That you have to be this manufactured form of masculine um, to be attractive, to be a man for a woman, to do this, to do that, to to do the other, when all you have to be is life-giving. It's called generative. And if I wasn't there to give her any life, then what am I doing in her life? Period. And so that's where I was. And that's the kind of man who I had to be.
2: What's your advice for women who are (sighs) rediscovering themselves? Because the woman who you have to be in an abusive relationship, the the shell of yourself that you have to become in an abusive relationship versus Mm -hmm. this that you get to blossom into once you've escaped that and can Mm -hmm. get back into, settle back into who you truly are, that's a process. Yeah. So being on the other side of that process, and not just being on the other side of it like you survived it, you are thriving, right? You weren't jaded so much that you couldn't trust another man. You weren't jaded so much that you could trust him, but then you ruined it because we'll do that too. We I almost did. Yeah. That's a thing. That's <laughs> a thing. So, what is your advice to women who are who want better, but they they need to become better also in order to
3: even entertain better? Well. It is a process. Shameless plug, com is available. We created a process based upon that, to be okay, honest with on, you. come on, shameless
2: plug, tell the people. Um,
3: and because it is, I tell people, me and Kenyon's results are not typical. This is not something where you're going to meet the guy who's going to sweep you off your feet and y'all are just going to be happily ever after for the most part. Um, because to your point, we can ruin stuff if we're not prepared and ready for the inevitable triggers and the healing that comes on along after that. But yeah, it starts by identifying how you keep ending up in those situations to begin with. Um, most of the women that we've talked to, connected with, coached, counseled, what have you, have all been in multiple relationships like that, um, whether it was physical, emotional, um, or what have you. And so the number one thing we had to do was just de- decipher what was it that was leading me into these? What was attracting me to these? Because we can't control who we attract, we can't control what we entertain. And so once I got past understanding that, and for me, it was my church upbringing. For me, it was, yeah, I got daddy issues too. This is like, I'm a whole like three different shows. I could be on all your podcasts and talk about something different. (laughs) Um, Like, so that, the daddy issues, everything. Okay, so there was that. Then it was identifying all of those different people that hurt me throughout that journey and releasing it. Because one of two things typically happened when we didn't release those people for real, for real from our lives. One, we inadvertently looked for people just like them in different skin and we didn't even realize we were chasing those types of things, or we kept going back to that person over and over again. And so it was you know, identifying and then elimination of those people I'll save the rest for the book. It's a long, literally five-week journey that we take people through. And then from that, it was realizing that not everybody who hurt you in your past is a reflection of people who are going to hurt you in the future. And that's the constant work that I'm still doing all the time. We get into it. I have to work myself through mentally a situation where I say, yes, you've experienced this in other relationships before, but what's different now? He's been consistent. He's been secure. He's got other stuff going on right now. You need to have this conversation. You need to communicate. Mm -hmm. Don't shut down. Don't become passive aggressive. Don't go hide like you used to go do that. And I literally have to talk myself through certain situations to make sure that I'm not treating him away simply because I know what I'm feeling in that moment is not from him. It's from somebody else.
2: Accountability is everything.
3: I think... I like how you summarized that. I said like 10 minutes worth of words. No, that (laughs) is... I loved all of
2: your words that you said. But all that was jumping out at me was like, I got to be accountable for how I got here. And I think a huge part of the problem that I see... With black women, again, I only know black women, y'all. I'm always only referencing black women. A huge part is that we don't want to take accountability. We get ourselves... Not necessarily we get ourselves in these situations because nobody's going out knowingly looking for abusive relationships. But we find ourselves in these situations. And then instead of taking an introspective look and say, okay... What was my point of attraction? What was I thinking? What was my intention? What was I willing to settle for? What was I thinking that I needed? What was I trying to fill a void with? Like, instead of going through that whole very tough process Mm -hmm. of doing the self-work and figuring out what is up with this common denominator, we usually don't take accountability. We say, oh, well, he was a bad person or, you know— I used to blame my mama and it is still your fault, but I'm working through it, right? uh, Because I think a part of it too is like, we think we get credit for identifying the problem. You get half a point. There you, you don't go. get the full point unless you bring it back together and actually actively work on fixing that problem. Mm-hmm. So I don't get to just say, like, baby, no, I can't have tough conversations with you because I didn't trust my mom. I don't get to use that as an excuse for bad behavior. Like, yes, I can identify this as the root, but now what am I going to do about it? Mm-hmm. So I think a lot of times we don't have that accountability, even with ourselves. I don't even talking about, like, going to therapy or hiring a coach or taking a class. I'm just talking about with yourself. That's it. We can't even keep it real with ourselves for long enough.
0: What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low-net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands. and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co.
1: When everyone's on the same page, getting things done at work is easy
2: It's you that is leading you back here. Now, let's figure out what it is, who you are, why you are, how you are, so we can figure out who you need to become.
4: Absolutely. Yeah, I think the problem is is that there's a cultural narrative that she's supposed to be found. He's supposed to sweep her off her feet. Right. He's supposed to lead her from there. And so accountability being an outward-facing energy, so Mm -hmm. to speak, or outward-facing thought, which we're putting on ourselves— the narrative, the cultural narrative doesn't allow women to be accountable. I'm not saying there's an excuse because women mm. should be an accountable. But but the narrative has already always engineered black women to be rescued, not accountable. Mm. And so the problem is, is that now when you're looking for who's going to save me, who's going to look out for me, it's you. You have to look out for you. And it's not just by setting these high standards. It's not just by, you know, some, some meme-esque type of entering into the dating relationship. It's about checking on yourself. Who are you? What are you? What defines you? What hurt you? Have you healed from that? Are you healing from that? Are you healed enough from for that to be carrying this on to another man? You see what I'm saying? Go ahead.
3: Yeah. No, the, I'm just back off because mm-hmm. I think, too, especially as black women, we have had to carry so much for so long. Accountability wasn't a problem for us when we had partnership, um, when we were cooperatively in different things. Mm-hmm. But I think when we've had to start carrying so much as black women for so long and we default to a defensive posture, that becomes our norm. Because we're always on the defense. We're always fighting, whether it's work, whether it's the X, whether it's, you know, anything that's going on in our lives, we're always fighting. And when we're always from a, coming from a defensive posture, there's very— Um, little time to take accountability for things. Because once something somebody acknowledges a problem, we're just rushing to try to solve the problem. Mm -hmm. We're not rushing to try to... explain the problem. Or explain it and solve it and get through it. Not to say, okay, what in me triggered that? What in me did I do that? And I think I've had to personally do that work to make sure that we get into it and I'll be going in. And I literally do start explaining stuff. Like, and just go stuff. And he was just like... But are you hearing what I'm saying? What happened? Like, and, you know, why are you getting defensive? Just what are you telling me what happened? Are you hearing me? Are you Mm -hmm. understanding me? And I've literally had to continue to go back over and over again and remind myself that this is not an opportunity to be defensive. It's an opportunity to be accountable.
2: And this is not the enemy. Right. That is such a hard part, I think. And I love that you're sharing that. We are madly in love, but I still be going off sometimes. We still be having these moments. It is not just all sunshine and rainbows, and it never 100% is. Sure. But there are so many tough conversations. If you care, if you want this to be a healthy, happy, lifelong thing, there are so many tough conversations that have to be had. And to your point of not just being aware, not just being accountable, but willing to take action, because you could be enlightened and educated all day long. But baby, in the heat of the moment, listen. Oh, yeah. when I want to shut down and not talk to you for an hour, when I want to be passive aggressive because you should have just knew what it was, I have to check myself. And, and that is my point. It's even with yourself. Can you be accountable to yourself to say, you know what, in my heart of hearts, I know that you don't you mean me well. You know, if you married or if you're involved with someone who you truly trust, if you've made a good choice, then you should know and feel safe Listen. to know that they don't mean you any harm, that they're not just telling you something to hurt you, that you know, you've said that this is somebody that you're committed to because you trust them. So I think it takes a lot of Looking in that mirror and being willing to look without having a, oh, but or you didn't do this. or But I, you know, what
3: about when you (laughs)
2: it's so
3: hard. One of the things he's always said is like, we're each other's mirrors. And so if my mirror wants to make sure I look good before I step out of that mirror, that mirror is going to tell me what I need to fix.
2: And I'm going to be offended because I thought I looked
3: good. already. Right. I was fine. (laughs) I was perfect. Like, you don't have to tell me anything. Even though I asked you. Right, but I need you to agree.
2: Shake your head, yes. How do men deal with this? Because it's so hard for me, y'all. I keep saying this, but they be calling me a pick-me on the internet all the time because I don't agree 100% with everything black women do. Mm
3: -hmm. Yeah, no. And one of
2: the things they do, they be mad at me. I'm I'm not sorry. I'm not really sorry because we got to get it together. We all got to get it together, but I talk to black women. Like, the black men are not over here, so I'm only talking to y'all. But one of the things that I always hear men say is like, we can't be honest with women. Y'all really don't want to know the truth. And I just be like, I do want to know the truth. Yeah, tell me the truth. And then I post a clip from my podcast or I see a clip on, of a podcast where a man is explaining whatever his truth is and there's always an, a, a rebuttal. There's always a discount to who that man is, what he must not be doing in life, mm-hmm. what, where his perspective is rooted in, discrediting whatever he's saying. This cannot be his reality. The black woman is not the problem. It must be you. How is a man supposed to, like, how are we supposed to bridge this gap? Because we got to communicate. We got to come together at some point. We have to listen to each other at some point. How?
4: I think, to be honest, I think it's going to take men to step up. Because if you want to be a leader, you demonstrate that first. So you learn how to communicate that. Do black women mess up? Yes, a lot. But you don't have to have fear of being honest. Number one, there's no there is no excuse for not being honest. There's just a way in which you should be honest, right? And then when it comes to women with all the rebuttals, the defensiveness, the argumentativeness, now, granted, because of what I do, I'm able to step back and say, oh, you're afraid to be wrong. You're afraid if you're wrong now, what it meant for you in your past. Mm. So there's a lot that's going on there. Every man is equipped with that, but you you can be equipped with patience. If you wanna be in that, venues like this is what's necessary where we are talking to each other, not at each other, because the energies can get crossed and uh-huh. you can feel like there's an attack somewhere. How should men deal with this? It's through patience. How should men deal with this? It's through understanding. How should, and, and none of that is soft. All of that is is based upon just a human dynamic, like that's a woman. She's a softer vessel. Mm-hmm. We're all cracked vessels. So if she's a softer vessel and we're all cracked vessels, even in this room where I'm being attacked, you know what, I'm gonna protect her from herself. And I'm gonna be honest anyway. And if she can't hear me in that honesty, maybe away from the cameras, I'll pull her to the side and say, hey, listen, this is what I was meaning by that. Are First of all, are you okay? We have to learn how to be men again—men that take, men that take care of women. Not men who are defined by what we have, mm. or what we can do, or how well we can do it. So there are some things on both sides. I, I think the whole conversation is so nuanced mm-hmm. that we get lost in the oversimplicity of do this and this will happen.
2: Yeah, one plus one equals two, and that.
4: Exactly, we we walk around with if then statements, uh-huh. computer language in our head. When really, it takes so much more work. That's how we became best of friends because I was willing to do the work. Mm-hmm. When I fell in love with her, I was willing to do the work. Does that mean I'm wrong? Does that mean she yells? She yells at me. <laughs> oh, I hope yeah. not. She doesn't. She doesn't. She does, she does not yell. But she she got a mouth though. Mm-hmm. But. We don't get we don't get a chance to run into that often because, hey, hold up. <laughs> there's a better way to have this conversation. And guess what? She does the same for me whenever I get, you know, tipped off and I get I'm tilted and everything is a, about to go up and smoke. Hey, there's a better way to do this. It's human decency, really.
3: Yeah, I think, too, empathy. We um, in our book covered, we talk about like safety, security, trust, empathy. Whenever we've ever dealt with people, couples, whatever, and they're having issues, one or all of those things are missing. And empathy, the way we explained it in our book, is that your ability to sit with somebody and see them from their perspective. Mm. And I think a lot of times what we're seeing on the Internet, because everybody and their granddad can pick up a mic or a phone and say something it's one of those things where it we're constantly infighting within the black community right um and so you don't see it in any other community it's just us fighting each other and ripping each other down and honestly I honestly have to listen to some clips twice before I make an assessment or a judgment because the first time I have to sit with it why it triggered me why it hit me where it did like ouch was well, there some truth to that? The second time I listened to it, it's like, okay, I have to evaluate it from their experience. Just because they're saying this from their experience does not mean that it identifies something in me. It just means that that's their experience. That and empathy tells you what that experience is or that they're doing it that way, as opposed to me and myself always, you know, coming from an Being offense. triggered. Yeah, mm-hmm. be a trigger. Me, you're talking about.
2: Yeah. I think, too, one thing that we're missing is just like, compassion, kindness, yeah, girl. being just, like, good to each other. Like, the men that have sat down here and said something about peace, that this is, you know, one of the things they desire in a wife. And I say peace because that means different things to different people. Mm-hmm. But the way that women roll their eyes when a man says he wants a woman that brings peace, it's like, that's offensive. You want me to bring—you be your own peace. You know, like, I'm not here to be— That's the, that's the right? attitude that comes behind it. And if I think just over— My life and just the relationships that I've seen in the black community, of course, they haven't always been, like, loving relationships. Black women are notoriously categorized as having a mouth, waving that hand, you know, talking back, doing all the things, not being agreeable. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think we have to do a better job of just, like, being kind to each other. That's one of the things that when I've asked men who date other cultures, you know, Mm -hmm. white women mainly— They're saying, well, she was nice to me. You know, she didn't... I came home from work and she just had a smile. She just smiled at me. And that seems ridiculous that you could come home and your wife doesn't smile at you, but it's not ridiculous. It is the reality for a lot of people. And I think that we don't use like kid gloves with our partners. We're not concerned about their feelings. We're not trying to be, you know, we're nurturing and soft and sweet to our kids, but our husband like gets the wrath. And I just think that culturally we don't have that, um, not that love, but we don't look at our husband like that. We look at you like you just a man. Like I don't need to. You don't need this softness, right. even though that's Listen. what you want
3: from your woman.
2: Listen, Absolutely.
3: but I think too, and, and we're we're a we're a self fulfilling prophecy as black women when we don't see that dichotomy between the soft us and the go hard and the boardroom version of us. You can be both. Mm-hmm. You can have both. I've made upwards of three hundred thousand a year at one point, and I will still make this man a plate. I will still make sure that I get up off that computer and go make him food. I will still. They'll make sure that, you know, hey, baby, I'm feeling you. All right, let's go upstairs You know what I'm saying? We both work from home. Like, that's the kind of— Let's break. You know what I'm saying? So that's the kind of thing, like, when I am that version of me for him, I'm still very old school. I can get him to do anything I need him to do. I can get him to—y'all be like, my man don't ever stay home. There are things that you can do— for him to be home. Like, and I'm not talking about manipulating a man. Mm-hmm. I'm talking about creating an environment for your men. And I don't care how evolved I get. I don't care how evolved society gets. I'm always going to be the wife that he wants to come home to. I'm always going to be the wife that he'd be like, looking at me like, hey, where are you going when I'm leaving the house? And that's just, yeah, call me a pick-me too. But I feel like a lot of y'all are single and bitter because there's not a balance between the boardroom version of you and that wifey version. You want
2: the man to just accept this version of you 24-7. Mm-hmm. And that is just... It doesn't work. It doesn't work like that. It doesn't and, work. But I think the... I think the kid example is easy for women to digest because if, and it goes back to the emotion thing, it's like we can understand kids, we can break it down for kids, they can come to us crying and we know that you're just tired. You know, whatever this is that you're presenting, it ain't really that. Like you really just didn't sleep last night. We can identify that with a kid and then we can understand it and then we can be soft. But when it's your partner, it's almost like enemies. You know, it's like we're attacking each other versus attacking the problem. We aren't seeing each other as
4: you know what it is? The reason why it's easier with kids is because of hierarchy. The woman is naturally more powerful so she can guide and direct. Then when you look at the hierarchy of the house, whether you believe in it or not, there is this another cultural narrative that the man should lead. Mm-hmm. So I shouldn't have to guide or direct. He should automatically know. And so the mm. humanity has been taken away from men. Men are no longer human. We're beasts of burdens that just live in the home. And we need to be looked at as humans with emotions. Mm-hmm. That narrative is so terrible that we don't even see ourselves with emotions. And so we don't even know how to channel our emotions outside of being extra happy, extra horny, or extra angry. We don't know how to deal with that. So we need to deal with our emotions. How do we, when we talk about compassion kindness um, all those things that really are found in the fruit of the spirit basically right how can we practice any kind of belief system christianity one whatever but any kind of belief system that encompasses that and not treat each other with that and so we are genu- we are genuinely considerate of each other because we genuinely do love each other and we see each other's wounds We see each other's hardships, flaws, strengths, weaknesses, all that kind of stuff. We're human. And until we begin to see each other, Black people have been dehumanized for so long that we dehumanize each other. Yeah. And that's what keeps this thing in between us, Mm -hmm. even when we're trying to love each other, because we don't know how to.
3: And I think one thing that somebody told me They're always gonna be your brother or sister in Christ, regardless. And I think if you don't treat, yeah, we trash talk, we be cussing, like we be going (laughs) off on each other, like in the house, like we're just, we just have fun. Yeah. But at the end of the day, that's my brother in Christ. Y'all, people ask, like, you know, we talk about exes and things like that. Why don't you trash your exes in public? Why don't you talk more about, like, stuff he did? People need to know. At the end of the day, it was still my brother in Christ. Do I ever want to be involved with that joker again? Absolutely not. If I see him tomorrow, it'll be too soon. Like, if I never see him again, it'll be too soon. But it's still my brother in Christ. And so at the end of the day, even when we get into it, I'm never going to throw shots below the belt. Because at the end of the day, number one, those words matter but he's still my brother in Christ and I'm never going to disrespect that structure between us. And I want to live this belief system that I say I have because yeah.
2: if we talk about the number of angry, bitter, hateful, mean church folks.
3: Listen, that, absolutely. That I've met it's
2: like do you you say you be, you're a believer they don't. but you're not mm-hmm. an actor. You're not acting on these beliefs. You know, you're not doing it. You're you're speaking it but you're not doing it.
4: Yeah, real quick, that's the problem with church folks. We talk too much. Mm -hmm. We want to speak everything into existence, but not exist in it. And that's the problem. We do more talking than we do demonstrating.
2: Mm -hmm. One thing that y'all are demonstrating is that y'all actually like each other. And I love that. That is not... Oh, yeah. Typical, right? Not <laughs> results not typical. Asterisk. Results not typical, right? Yeah. Before you got, well, you had ran to the restroom and he was talking about road trips and he was like, I only like doing road trips with Takara. Like oh, we have such yeah. a good time. And I was like, I wanna do my husband be sitting around saying the stuff he enjoyed doing with me. You know, it made me think <laughs> he like does, he, likes, heard you, him tell him he likes you when you ain't around. You know, like he's he's really, y'all actually really like each other. And so you put up a post and I had sent it to my husband. And Uh-oh. then I watched the rest of it, and I had to go real quick and unsend it from my husband because you was about to get me in some trouble. So let me tell you about this post. Okay. No, no. It started with the question was like, "What is something that men appreciate in relationships?" Some uh, uh, un, what was it? What'd you call it? Like a un
3: uncommon. Yeah,
2: like an uncommon thing men appreciate in relationships. And you started out, you're like, "I want a woman that's free. You know, she's free, she's herself, she's uninhibited." I'm like, "Yeah, that's me. That's me." I sent it. Mm-hmm. By the end of that video, he started oh. talking about how you come asking for sex every day. I said, I'm I'm saying, wait a minute. This is about to set a standard that we are not attempting to set. Is that real? Is that an everyday? Is that like a three times a week every day? Or is that a real everyday? Because the bar me. is very
3: high. He says I pester him
4: she for She bothers things. me. Hey, it, it don't happen all the time. But, I mean, she lets me know, like, it's, it's, <laughs> it's, ba- it's bad. It, it really that is. is bad. You can be... You can, no, you not can, bad as in bad, but right. bad as in... It could be annoying. So, I mean, it's it's cute. It's, it's, it's cute. How, how do I...
3: I'm inappropriate. Like, just put it like that. Like, yeah. I'm literally the inappropriate child when it comes down to him and sex with me. Like, I just... Yeah. And so, for clarity... This is my first relationship that I've ever actually been able to experience sexual liberality, right? So, like, because of the church thing, because of the church thing, and it's it's never something that's been discussed, talked about. You know, Kenyon is my third husband. He's not my second. He is... wait, we skipped a husband. So with the white man, were they two white men? Were they both white? They were, nope, nope. So which one did we skip? You skip the second one. Okay. we skip the second okay. one. Okay, we'll yeah. skip them. We can skip them. Go ahead. Yeah, um, and. Being married in situations—I was a first lady at one point, and so there was just, like, I couldn't express myself sexually um, in that, and God made me nasty, and so I was like—
2: Not (laughs) I I was born this way.
3: I was born this way. Like, I didn't know what to do, and so for him— to invite me, I'm like because it's his fault. He invited me to be myself sexually with him. He invited me to show up and just learn what I like, you know. Uh, in the, in the marriage, sexually, whatever. Like every sex toy I have, he bought. Like you know what I mean. It's one of those things where it's just like he wants me to know what I like and tells wants me to tell him what I like, and so and you are in a safe space. I am in a safe space, that. and I'm 41 years old. I am in my prime, so. So is that real? Yeah. Have you always been like this though? No, this not not real. to this degree. No, okay. no. It got it definitely got significantly worse in the last year. Um, God, what you been doing, or it just happened? You taking some steps? It just happened. No, I yeah, I didn't do anything. It just happened, and then um, and then I started writing romance too. I think that probably fueled it. So, I, we have
2: to get around to that. Okay. Because <laughs> what? Tell us about this. Are, are, how does this work? Do these stories just exist in your head, and then you're just writing them out on paper, like? How does this
3: process work of fiction writing? It's a blend. Um, It's a blend of stories that exist that are fictional, but it's also a blend of things that actually really happened to me um, or things that happen to people that I know. Um, So, yeah, a lot of the stories that we have, like unmasked from a fiction podcast perspective, that was our first show that we came up with together, um, yeah, that's loosely based on both of our lives. And so you write what you know, and it actually helps you inform your writing better, and then it helps you speak to the audience better. And Mm. so then I had the crazy idea to give them all these characters romance novels. Um, And so, like, all of my characters now at the end will get a love story, and that's what I've been working on. And since I've been writing that, too, I think he's probably benefited from are you so you're (laughs) writing
2: out the scene and you acting out the scene
3: yeah basically yeah wow yeah wow okay yeah (laughs) i
2: think we're we're gonna drop the mic i don't want to get myself personally into any
3: more trouble than i already have you think your husband's gonna like want you to start chasing him husband
2: we're just figuring it out we're figuring it out.
3: I. But you have babies. I think that's I different. Have very small children. Yeah, we're empty nesters for the yeah. most. You know what I mean? Like our kids live outside of the home. When I
2: heard, when you were like, she's just coming to me every day. I'm like, how are y'all doing this? How are you, is this happening every no single day? No babies. No babies. No babies. Okay, yeah. that's the
4: thing. Okay. Yeah. and there's a transition period there too. There's a very real psychological, biochemical. Mm, and mm. and mental transition period when you have children in the home and you're trying to raise the children and you're trying to deal with your, and older parents, both of them. Um, um, older parents that can't move around a lot. Yeah, my mom so, lived with us. I'm like, she just gonna hear it. Um, right, but it's, yeah, she's she, she wild. But still, it's, it's not something that you have to be patient for. It'll It it it'll, it'll come. It, it It just comes in its season. That's all yeah, that we're is. just not
2: in that season. That's what yeah. I've just accepted. Yeah. This is just a yeah. real sow-in-the-seeds season. Um, last question, though, because another clip I saw. You were talking about your experience with infidelity. Yes. Being on the receiving end. Mm-hmm. I don't think I've had a man on this couch that talked about being them being in a relationship and getting cheated on by a woman. Oh, yeah. Did you forgive her is my first question.
4: Yeah. Not only did I forgive her, I understood her. Hmm. Did you feel like you were to blame? Partially. Now, now let's let's, let's be real about this here. She made the decision. She made the choice. It was a bad decision and a bad choice. And if I'm to be honest, I was going to stay through it, but there were some other decisions that she was making. I was like, you know what? This is indicative of who you are. Pattern. uh, Yes, it's, it's a pattern. So you know what? And I can't live through that. But the other end of that, is that men don't talk about it because it makes us seem weak. We have this thing that we say, man, I'll take your girl. Women become objects. Property. And property. And men become the stronghold of how do I keep it or do I let it go? Mm -hmm. And so another cultural narrative that we've learned. And so early on in that, in that, particular position I really punished myself because I wasn't strong enough wasn't man enough wasn't this enough wasn't that enough I didn't do you know whatever I wasn't you know Mm -hmm. the not enough syndrome right um painful man it's painful and men really do punish we punish ourselves I I can't say more because I than women but I can say it's in a different way than women cause I've seen women and we've coached women through the I'm not enough syndrome but men it's it's the kind of DMs and emails I've gotten from men who are straight hurt struggling broken down suicidal just they can't take that pain me I couldn't take the pain mm-hmm. hell I lost I lost her and a job at the same time so I was like down bad. Down yeah. <laughs> I was done done. But I wasn't trying to not breathe, so <laughs> I don't I, I didn't mind re- rebuilding, but it takes healing. Mm-hmm. It takes for men it takes getting into yourself. And men are much more willing to get into ourselves than I see women do that. Um I'm talking about as, as far as discovering yourself, as far as figuring out what's right in this world because we're fixers. Mm -hmm. If I couldn't fix her, then I'm going to fix me. So now we're objectifying ourselves. But I took a path that helped me understand just, you know, you made some mistakes.
2: I think even that is such a mature perspective and, again, goes back to awareness and accountability. Because for the husbands who don't want to go home to their wives, if I'm the wife, I'm going to think to myself, what is it about me or this house that my husband doesn't want to come home to? Maybe there's something that we can adjust or change. I'm not going to say, you better come home. I'm going to call right. you a million times and make sure you on the way. And I'm going to look at the G. That is irrational and insane. So in, this, in the same vein, when it comes to infidelity, I think that, Not to victim blame, because definitely don't want to do that. Mm -hmm. But I think there does take a level of what were the circumstances Mm -hmm. that led to this versus you are just wrong with what you did. Yes, you are wrong with what you did, but what led to that?
3: Absolutely. What led
2: to that? What was at the root? Because if, and not to say that you have to, you know, forgive or stay or anything, but if you don't figure out what this is, whatever it was, who's to say that you're not going to repeat this again and have the same situation with a new person? Right.
4: And that's what I grasped hold to. I didn't want to be that guy again. Mm-hmm. Albeit we got married young, we had been together. We weren't even. We shouldn't have been together in the first place. Not that way. Maybe as friends. She she cool people, but I knew. See, I was I was raised in church too. Mm-hmm. Not the same cult that she was, but I was, <laughs> but I was still raised right. that men are this, men are that. I need this. I need that. And I'm going to be honest, I was looking for validation, Mm. seeking validation, insecure. When you say a man have to be mature to to see all this, maturity hurts. Mm -hmm. Maturity don't just happen. So it's after going through that that I realized, oh, shit, I was for the uh, streets. Now, she wasn't. Now, I'm not going to bash her in the reason because I got a lot of pushback from dudes like but what about her you got to put her stuff no I don't I'm a grown ass man I don't I, right now I'm not that insecure boy so I don't need your validation nor anyone else's I'm a grown man so at this point I'm own mine let her do what her's what what needs to be done we've had those her and I have had those conversations mm-hmm. of what well, could I have been better what could I do better and stuff like that so you know, so giving her credit, she, she's gotten some maturity, too. But that stuff comes through pain. And you have to look at yourself. If, if any man who's not willing to look at himself and grab hold of the accountability, he's not worthy of a woman to me. Mm.
2: Wow. I think one thing that you said that is probably a whole nother podcast episode was that you shouldn't have been with her anyway. There are so many. Y'all should have never slept together. Y'all should have never said I liked you. Y'all should have never went on down that aisle. You should have never. And something in you told you that too. You just ignored your intuition. You knew it. And so here you are trying to turn this bad boy that you were so attracted to into this good husband and you should have never. You should have never tried to make him fit fit into this role that you wanted him to be versus what he showed up as.
3: Ma'am, can I just say... Half the time we stay with those jerks because sex is good. Like and so we've had this conversation. We probably get in trouble with church people. But like celibacy and and not having sex and abstinence and and so forth is not just about immorality. Mm -hmm. There is a real thing that happens to your body, especially as a woman, when you sexually invite a man into your space. And so when you're looking at that and how you're becoming connected, and I'm not talking about the spooky soul ties. I'm talking about, like, the idea of biochemically what happens to your body. Mm -hmm. Then you literally will ignore every red flag that comes across your table because the sex is good. And as soon as that man begins to feel that you are starting to get hip to who he is, oh, he's going to... you know, D you down again. And so that's the whole process that I feel like when we tell people like, don't have sex before marriage. Hey, For me, I don't tell you that from a scriptural perspective. I tell you from a place of it allows you to keep your eyes open to the stuff that you really shouldn't be. Mm-hmm. You're you not know. jaded. You're not yeah. blinded
2: by correct this other thing. Right. So Unmasked, tell me, tell them where they can, um, I was about to say watch it, where they can listen. What else y'all got that we can support? Let the people know.
3: Oh, Wow. Um, So Unmasked is a fiction podcast about a black woman um, who goes to therapy because she needs to take some accountability for herself. And um, loosely based on Takara Martin is season one. Kenyon Martin, the man, that's loosely based on him in season two. So um, we're available everywhere. You can get your podcast called Unmasked. Um, anywhere there. We also have the Soul Ties Detox. If you're going through a breakup or you keep finding yourselves in multiple broken relationships, um, we've got a program. It's a book and a journal that walks you through your place from heartbreak to wholeness. That's the Soul Ties Detox.com. But all of the stuff for us, you could literally find at AskTheMartins.com.
2: AskTheMartins.com. Ask Martins on Instagram. Another bomb episode, y'all. Healthy, healing, therapeutic conversations that will move the culture forward. So don't just like this video. Don't just make sure you subscribe to the channel. Please make sure you share this video with a friend so that we can keep the conversation going. Thank you so much for tuning in. I'll catch you on the next episode. So if you made it this far, I just know you loved that episode. Well, what you did not know is that we recorded it right here in ATL at Elevate Studios. Yes, your girl has her own studio, y'all. And it's not just for me. I'm opening it up for you, too. So if you have a podcast, if you are a vlogger, a YouTuber, or a content creator, and you are looking for a professional studio to record your content or you want to hire me and my team to fully produce your content, make sure you check out the show notes below or log on to ElevateAgency.com.
0: What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving.